Okay, I'm going to just read from Titus. And then I'm going to read uh, Titus, the first chapter. I'm going to read from Hebrews, the 10th chapter. And uh, I'm just going to read Titus chapter 1, and I'm going to read those first 16 verses. And then I'm going to turn to Hebrews, the 10th chapter. In Titus chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Paul, a servant of God. And that, the word servant there is doulos. And when we look at the word servant, all the men of God, and they were great because God, through Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, did great things in and through them. That's what makes a great man of God. Jeremiah 5, 5 says, I will get me to the great men of God, for they have known his ways. They've known him in his ways. And that's what makes it so important for us when we see this. In, in Proverbs, uh, we see this very, very clearly, uh, of course, that he, he that walks with wise men will be wise. He that walks with those that are endued and imbibe, imbibed with the wisdom that Christ is, he that walks with them will be wise. But it says a companion of fools in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, will be destroyed. And Paul, it says, a servant here. That's the title that all these men of God that were used by God in a great way to reveal his son by the power of the Holy Spirit, they were called servants. That's the title that they looked for. They, they didn't search for titles like doctor or pastor or any of these uh, titles. They didn't do that. that. That meant the most of them was servant, one whose will was swallowed up in the will of another. So Paul, it says, a servant of, of God, meaning he doesn't live by his own will. And an apostle, a, a messenger, of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, the faith of all is all those truths about the person and work of Christ. To those that have been elect, and the acknowledging of the truth. Notice that there's got to be an acknowledgement of it. There's got to be a will that's submitted to it, and that always speaks of obedience, right? You know, the Bible always teaches us. You know, God is always waiting to be gracious for us to make right decisions in Isaiah 30, verse 18. Uh, when we turn to the left or turn to the right in Isaiah 30, 21, he tells us to go forward. This is the way, walk you in it. And though he gives us, he gives us grace as the answer to sin, he never gives us grace to live in sin, ever. He just doesn't, okay? So we see this. It's to the acknowledging of the truth, which is after what? godliness. Is there any flesh involved in it? None. In hope, which is hope, and what is hope? It's guarantee. We have this guarantee of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised even before the world began. See, we were elected in him in his eternal mind, not bypassing our will. Of course, it, it took the will of God to save us. There's no question about it. He was first cause. But then it took the submission of our will to receive him. That's why the nonsense of Calvinism in that sense makes it very crystal clear that that is, that is love. 
because love is in the will, and it's not, it's not forced, it's received. But we can't do it apart from grace. Verse 3 says, but has in due, in due times manifested his word through preaching. How does he manifest his word? I don't know. How do we do without it? It is mind-boggling to me. How does a Christian do without it? You know the answer is, and I know it in my own life, we don't. We don't do properly without it. Honestly, if we are not going forward in obedience, there's only one place we do. We go right back into all those lust patterns, and we struggle with them. That's a guarantee. That is an absolute guarantee for any of us. Now, when we do, is God condemning us? Is he accusing us? Or is he loving us? We're going to see how that is this morning. Through the preaching, his word through the preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. So that's to the apostle. But to, but to me, is a little, just a little guy, a little under-shepherd. I'm commanded in 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, I've been given a charge. He's commanded me to preach the word. Honestly. To continue to preach the word. Whether I feel like it or not, Read it in 2 Corinthians 4, 2. Look up, just take a little time, look those words up in the Greek. Get a little simple concordance, just look them up. Whether I, whether I feel like it or not, whether it's received or not, honestly, whether people come or not, I am to preach the Word of God. Because the truth of that is, and, and I shared it with Mike, we had a very, very sweet fellowship, and we, we are convinced with each other that we can't do without, and we'll continue to do that. But we, we shared in 1 Corinthians 9, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll just read this verse here in 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, and I had, had the privilege to be able to share these with Mike. And we, as a result, we had a beautiful fellowship with what God was giving us. Again, in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 16, look at what it says. For though I preach the gospel, notice what it says. Though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. There is nothing in me apart from Christ to glory in when, when the word is being preached. I have nothing to glory of. Why? Because look what it says, for necessity is laid upon me. You know when it says in 2 Timothy 4, verse 2, preach the word instant in season, out of season, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. You know why it says? You know what it says? It's a present imperative. The necessity is, it's the commandment and authority of God's love over me to do it. That's his command. And we can see the equal of that too. So I'm commanded by the authority of his love and grace without accusation or condemnation to preach the word. We are commanded to come and hear it. He's not asking us. He's telling us by the authority of his love based upon the fact that we are not our own, to do it. <laughs> fact is, we're not our own in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. And boy, when we function in the fact that we think that we are, we can only function in the lie of a defiled conscience. We're going to see that this morning beautifully, and, and, and this is the protection of God's love. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. The necessity of the unconditional love and grace of God Almighty. 
<laughs> Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Woe is unto me if I don't do that. Woe is unto me if I don't do what God tells me to do. And woe is unto you if you don't. But is there any woe in truly who I am in my position in Christ, or has it all been dealt with? It's just been dealt with. For if I do this thing willingly, notice that. If I do it willingly, I have a reward. What's the reward? Oh my God, I experienced him, this love, life, relationship in the purity of light. You see, when we receive the word, the light of the word, okay, that when we receive it, our will submits to it. That light refuses in me to be mixed with anything else. That's the nature of light. It refuses and will not be mixed with anything other than itself. We're going to see how pure that is this morning when we get into Titus, back to Titus, the first chapter, and in Hebrews, the 10th chapter. So if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward if, I, if my will submitted. But if against my will, how many things do we do that is against the natural will? Well, that's obedience. <laughs> it's against the natural will. The enemy will give us a thousand and one excuses why we don't have to obey constantly because he hates us. He hates who we are in Christ. He hates who Christ is in us. Is in us. He can't touch our position. Even when he gets us to fail and sin, when we choose to, and remember, love is a choice, it's in the will, so is sin. We don't have to, but we do. Um, but when he does, when he gets us to do that, when he gets us to sin, what does he do? He brings us into a place where the lie begins. There's an accusation that lodges in the conscience. Now I perceive myself after that. And then I perceive that's how others see me. Okay. And when I sin and I don't deal with it, do I want to draw near to God or do I want to withdraw? We talked about a young man. Mike talked with me about a young man. And he, put his, he literally talked to him face to face because in love, God revealed to him that that young man was living in sin. He faced him with it in love. In love. Now, God did a work in it, but he hasn't seen hide nor hair of that young man in quite a while. We're going to see how when we live in the flesh, we hate judgment. We do. We hate it. Why? Because it's unnatural. It's not natural. We'll see that later. So again, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 17, if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. What's the reward? I experience who Christ is in me and who I am in him. What a reward. Oh, is it worth it? God. <laughs> what will we give up for that? What will the enemy give us and cause us to do to give up on that? You know? Because you know Why? Because the lie is, he wants to, us to give up on ourselves experientially. That's a lie, right? Well, but if against my will, 
How many decisions have I made in my life, even since I've been here, that have gone against my will, not being submitted to him, but submitting my will? <laughs> when I do, you know what? A dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. You know what that dispensation of the gospel is? We are in, this is called the church age, the church period. The church age, it's called the dispensation of grace. Everything about us is that. And what are we like when we don't function in it? What are we like when we don't function in the truth of the grace that we are in Christ and who he is in us? What are we like when we lose the sense of that? When we lose the sense of his grace and truth, who he is. Because after all, remember, the word of God became flesh. He was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory is of the only begotten one, and he was filled up with all that grace and truth is. We come to hear the word, and we get, God wants to fill us up with grace and truth. And you know, nothing replaces that. Not a single thing replaces that. Not a single thing. Not one single thing, because that's his order and that's his way. But we have that committed to us. And so, see it again, and I'll just read it again. 1 Corinthians 9, 16 and 17. For though I preach the gospel, I don't have anything to glory of. Because, you know, you don't want to be like the legalist in Galatians chapter 6, verses 12 to 13, preaching legalism because they want to glory, they want to use your flesh to glory over you and to make you be a men-pleaser and a men-follower. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. But though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. That's why. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a, a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. Now we have 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 9. For a great and effectual door, a great door and effectual is open unto me. What is the great door and effectual that was open unto the Apostle Paul? What was that? Listen to this, folks, this morning. The preaching, the continual preaching and teaching of the preciseness and intimacy of the Word of God through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. That was the door that was open to him. Folks, that's what the door is open to us here. Nothing replaces it. Nobody and nothing replaces that. A great door and effectuals open unto me, and there are many, what? Adversaries. You and I think, do you and I think for a second that the enemy wants us to come and listen to the word of God? Do you think so? He's going to do everything he can to stop it. He's going to be an adversary. Do you think it just has to be evil things? It doesn't have to be. It's just making bad choices for any of us. It's the truth of the matter. Listen, this is what it says. And there are many adversaries. We shared this the other day. When Christ was always dealing with the Pharisees in Matthew, the fifth chapter, the 25th verse, you know what he said to them? They continually re rejected and, and continually, literally, and in their rejection, it was a result of their hatred and murder for him, which they ultimately did, by the way. 
to get rid of him. Two things you can hide in, folks. Just two things you can hide in. Christ or sin. That's it. Christ or sin. Yeah. And if it's a gray area, it's still potential, isn't it? It's potential. For sin. There's no question about it. And that's what it is. We can hide in those two things. And there are many adversaries. So when he said this, they considered, they considered in their own self-consciousness, self-reliance, they considered Christ their adversary. Do you think it's any different for you and I in the flesh? Do we think the preaching, the word, the fellowship, the purity, the light of it, the things that we once loved, Ah, and now they become an adversary? For what? What are they an adversary to? The flesh. Who are not in Christ. And even Jesus said to them, and he's saying that to us this morning, if you, through the, 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 the preaching and teaching of the word, if you consider me your adversary, still submit, would you? That's what he's saying still. Agree with your adversary. That's what he's saying. <laughs> you consider that? Agree with me. You consider me an adversary. I'm not. But agree with me. Agree with me. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Amos 3.3. 3. Is the two the individual in Christ? You know, if the individual is walking with Christ, I'm going to tell you something right now. He's going to desire to walk with the body of Christ. That's a fact. Because it's one body. Manifested in local areas, but one body. You see it in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, in those 28 verses. And you see it in Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. That's just the facts. Now, there are many, many adversaries. There is great opposition to the preaching and teaching of the word. Great opposition towards it. Shared it with, again, with Mike um, yesterday. The word of God the true inspired word of God is being so attacked. And don't think for a second the enemy doesn't want to attack it in the individual believer. Because he does. There's many, many adversaries. Many, many adversaries. So the fact that, and this is, this is very interesting to me in Christianity, to think that we're not going to have trials. Is there any growth without it? In 1 Peter 1.7. 2 Peter 3.18, no, no, no. But we look at it as an adversary. Well, it's an, what's it an adversary to? Flesh. There's reliance on the flesh and not Christ. Why do we think it's so strange in 1 Peter 4.12 that the fiery trial tries us? Well, because we live in a world, we live in this world system on this earth right now, and you know who's the prince and power of it right now? Is it Christ? Ephesians 2, 2? Nope. Is it Christ? No, it's the enemy in John 12, 31 and 14, 30. And we're going to settle in that. That's going to be the priority? Oh, Lord, help us. <laughs> many adversaries. Many, many adversaries. Even the things that God wants to bless us with, even material things, and those things that we, we do, and you can read that in Matthew, the sixth chapter, all the details of life. We can take those things and go away from him, and do they become an adversary? Yes. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And of course, and God's telling us, 
in revealing this truth to us because he has something against us. No. No, Matthew 12, 30. He that is not with me in fellowship is what? Against me. I didn't say it. Jesus did. He that is with us is on our part. That's Mark 9, verse 40. I don't know. God, we withdraw from God. Then we get all these weird thoughts. They certainly aren't his. They're adverse thoughts. They're adverse. You know, believers are so apt to be deceived by self-seeking, the self-seeking flesh, and to slight the true servant of God. You know that? That's what will happen. We listen. You cannot desire fellowship when you're living in the flesh. Neither can I. Neither can I. We just won't. We won't do it. None of us will. And so we can see that clearly. Here's the facts this morning. And now I'm going to turn back to Titus, the first chapter. If you want to know the scriptures and you want to understand how to read them, the first epistle of Timothy is teaching how to function in God's order at a local assembly. It's teaching you that. It's teaching me that. Now, if I don't know those things, if I can't discern them, if I don't have the skill to do that, then what should I do? You know, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing. Not just hearing the word, but submitting to it. Dependence comes by hearing and submission. So faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Now, if I don't submit to the hearing of the word of God, what do I function in? Self-consciousness. Oh, that's not a good place to be, I'll tell you. Don't spend too much time there, let me tell you. Because that that is a, a waste of time. It's not redeeming the time and living in the redemption of the life that Christ is ours. There's no question about that. But we can see these things. So 1 Timothy, the epistle of 1 Timothy, teaches how to function, how to function in God's order in a local assembly. 2 Timothy, the epistle, teaches how to function in a local assembly in the midst of disorder. When you function in disorder, which is not having God's thoughts, what do you function in? If you have disorder, what do you function in? You function, what? Dysfunction. (laughs) And in dysfunction, is there ease, comfort, or (laughs) dis-ease? It's where we get that word disease, by the way. It's not comfortable being sick. And boy, don't tell me the flesh isn't in any of us. To Titus, mine own son after the common faith. Common faith, what's that? We all have fellowship in truth in the light of the person of Christ and his work. That's what that's the common faith, in case you were wondering, that's what the common faith is saying here. The common faith. Grace, what's, what's so common about our faith dependence? Grace, mercy, and peace. From God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you can know that God is leading you to do whatever you do because he only leads by peace. If you don't have that peace, it's not God leading you. That's a guarantee. (laughs) But we have the peace because Christ is in us. But is he leading us? In 2 
in, in Ephesians 2, verse 14. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father. You're going to experience a loving Father. Can we do without Him? How do we do without Him? And the Lord Jesus Christ, our Deliverer, our constant Deliverer. For this cause left I you in Crete, that you should set in order. Oh, God. Don't want to hear that. God, I talked to Mike about certain loving people that I love love deeply, and I said everything about it was, it was just, it's just simple obedience. Just it's simple obedience. What? Is obedience hard? No. But the resistance is. Simple obedience. What? Christ has done everything. What? Just submit. Obey. Let his love come in and have an effect on you, and that effect will be fellowship. There'll be an exchange of love. It's just simple obedience. Can't continue? Okay, got to go back. All right. Made it very clear. Things are too adverse. Oh, God. Paul, under the influence of, of, of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, left, left Titus in Crete for one purpose. What? To set in order the things that were what? Left undone. What's that? It's obedience. I don't want to hear that. Well, I don't quite care what you don't want to hear. I could care less. No, because I love Christ because he loved me first, and I love you. That's why. I don't care for the flesh. Right here. This is where it starts. Don't care? Could care less. Could care less. And that means when I care less, it just simply means, and we talked about this yesterday with me, we are carefree. We either function in being carefree, or we function in the carelessness of the flesh. It's just it's that simple. Huh? So the things in order that are lacking, that are undone and ordained, set in place <laughs> under the headship of Christ. Elders in every city as I appointed you. What is an elder? It's a person who's older than you, who has a lot more understanding through the word of God than you do, who sees even further than you think you do with your feet. <laughs> Much further. Much further, right? If any be blameless, functioning in Christ, right? A pure conscience, that's what it speaks of. Not that we don't sin, but in 1 John 1, 9, we confess it. Blameless, the husband of one wife. Boy, is that key. Man, keep going forward. Because if you don't, you go back and you struggle. And don't think I don't know it. Because I absolutely do. Pinpoint the truth. Oh, yes. Yes. One wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. They're functioning in order because they're taught it. My God, where are you, where are you taught order? In the home. That's what order's taught. It's in the home. Okay. That's why you don't even see Sunday school in the Bible. Because the parents ought to teach. But the parents teach not so much by what they say, but how they live their life. It's their conduct that teaches. 
For a bishop, an overseer, one who looks for needs to be met without accusation or condemnation, having faithful children not accused of right or unruly, for he must be blameless, right? As the steward, the manager of the household of God. And the elder here is not even necessarily a pastor teacher. But if he was an old, and that means an older man, by the way, clearly. And if that older man had the gift of a pastor teacher, you would esteem him very highly in, lo in love's sake. And you wouldn't believe, you ought to look up the word esteem, by the way. Look it up. And that's 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13. Especially they that have the gift of a pastor teacher. And you can see it again in, in uh, 1 Timothy 5 and verse 17. Again, he's just a messenger. Just, yes. Okay. He, as the manager of God, being managed, and, and can he manage if he's not managed by God? Can he can be in control of a thing if he's not controlled by God? Nope. Not what? Self-willed. Not soon what? Angry. You don't go forward with God. What do you go back to? It's just that simple. And you don't only, not only you have to pay for it, but others around you, and instantly, they have to pay for it. Not soon angry. And again, Ephesians 4, verse 26, be ye angry, and what? Sin not. Is there anger and not sinning? Can that be, can that be manifested in the preaching and teaching of the Word? You think so? Without condemnation, that means be angry and sin not, means when you preach, there's gonna, there could be anger. There could be anger. You ever been angry at your, if you had a child or a loved one? You loved them, but there was anger because you loved them? That's right. That's right. Do we even know what love is then? Do we understand what that is? Does a babe ever replace a young man, a young man ever, ever become an equal or replace a spiritual dad? It just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Not soon angry, not given to wine. Okay, I didn't say it, the Bible says it. That means you're not given to it continually. That's what it says. You can look it up. It's in your Bible, it's in mine. Not given to wine, not a striker, a brawler. Not given to filthy lucre, meaning everything is money now. <laughs> everything is money. It's the most important thing. Got to get that straight. Yeah, you don't get this straight, you know what you're going to do with money, don't you? Woo woo. But, separate, but, separated from all of that, a lover of hospitality. <laughs> Hospitality, you do your best. You open up your home and do your best you can to make people comfortable. A lover of what? When it says good men, really, it's, it's good things in men that are of Christ. <laughs> Sober, thinking properly, just, knowing the justice of God and the love of God, how they work together, holy Temperate, meaning in self-control. Temperate. Holding fast the faithful word. Notice that. As he has been taught, that he may be able, by sound teaching, doctrine, both to exhort 
and to convince the gainsayers. Now, I'm not supposed to do this, right? For there are many unruly, can we ever be that in the flesh, vain talkers, is that the flesh, and deceivers, is that the flesh, especially they of the circumcision, those who put themselves under legalism, whose mouths must, must be what? How do they get stopped? I don't know, could that be preaching? Could that be Jude 3 and 4? Read Jude 3 and 4 with Titus chapter 1 and verse 11. Read it, and you can see the correlation. Who subvert whole houses, who, who turn upside down in a catastrophic way whole households. Teaching things which they ought not. I shared again this with, with Mike. We had, we had teaching way back where when Hebrews 13, 17 was taught, it was taught in such a twisted way and such an unscriptural and, and thus an ungodly way when we heard that teach. And I'll read that verse. I shared these, these things again with Mike yesterday. In Hebrews 13, 17, okay, and here's the difference between, just so you have a clear understanding of the Word of God, Hebrews 13, 7 says, remember them that have the rule over you. And that's not a good in interpretation of the word. It's not a problem. Remember them which have guided God put over you as guides to guide you to Christ, who have spoken unto you, what? Who is the word of God? That's Christ. See what it's saying? Remember those whose faith, dependence, follow, considering the end of their lifestyle. That were, those were men that now have gone home to be with the Lord. Those are the majority, overwhelming I have to say only my pastors and teachers. They're all in heaven. But they're still, Christ through them, by the power of the Holy Spirit, still teaching and preaching to me. They're there. Whew. But 13.17 says this. Oh, this is the ones that are alive now. Obey them that, have, that are guides over you. And what? Make them your adversary. Make them your enemy. They told you things you didn't like to hear. Oh, my God. No, and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for it is unprofitable. You know how we used to have this taught? First of all, when every one of us appear at the, the Bema seat, not judgment, and again, bad translation, You'll see that bad translation in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. It's not a judgment seat, because when we appear with him in the heavens, okay, it's a manifestation. Sins are already dealt with. Sins are not brought up at the Bema seat. The judgment. Bema is just raised platform. Each one of us will appear with Christ alone. <laughs> Nobody else will be there. You know how we were taught that? This is how we were taught this. And I know what I'm talking about because I was there for over three decades. <laughs> Out front and behind the scenes for over three decades. I know how this was taught. That there's the individual, there's Christ, and there's the pastor with them. 
Christ has to ask the pastor, did they receive it? Were they faithful? Were they obedient? And then, like, Jesus needs the pastor to know his sheep. It says they must give an account. Not believers, the pastor teacher has to do it. And he's got to do it faithfully. Because if he doesn't, and he doesn't teach and preach Christ specifically, clearly, precisely, okay, it'd be very unprofitable for him at the Bema seat. Okay? That'd be very unprofitable. So, so Christ looks at the pastor and he says, were they faithful? And he goes, and he goes yes. And he goes, yay, Christ can be happy. If he, no, I'm serious now, very serious. And we did receive a lot of true preaching and teaching, no question about it. What a surprise, even if we abide faithful, even if we don't abide faithful, he abides faithful to those that will choose, regardless of the circumstances and situations. You know, God's always faithful for us to submit to and go forward. There's never an excuse, ever, never. Be a thousand and one, the enemy will give you to not only excuse sin, it's okay, which it never is, or to make excuses for it. Never. He never gives us grace for that, ever, not a single time. Never. And if they, and if they didn't, then he's like, oh, oh, no. If you see Hebrews 13, 17, you must see it in the whole preponderance of the scriptures. And when you read James 3, 1, and this is what makes it necessary for young people to not be counselors or become counselors with those that are over them as guides. And it would be foolishness for anyone else to hear their counsel. That's why the Bible teaches us. You've got an issue with somebody, you go to God first in the individual. Period. Period. You don't even confess it to your wife. Did you know that? You know what he said? You know what he said, honey? <laughs> Wimpy. <laughs> Wimpy. <laughs> Wimpy. Wimpy. That's what we are in the flesh, by the way. We're little wimps. Tough guys. Yeah, right. I've seen a lot of those in the flesh, and I see how they end up, too, by the way. And I've seen it in my own self. Let me just make that crystal clear. Thank God I don't know myself after it either. Right? But James 3.1 says this. Now, in the King James, it says, it, it, it says it, very interesting, be not many masters. God, you imagine not having proper teaching or understanding. Be not many masters, knowing that we will receive the greater condemnation. That is a terrible, ter I thank God for a lot of the King James, you know, what God was still faithful in, but that was, that's terrible. Is there any condemnation for us in Christ? First of all, in Romans 8.1. Whether we function in the flesh or not, does God condemn us? In Romans 8.1. No, that's why the rest of Romans 8.1 is there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ, period. doesn't say anything about the flesh or the spirit in that case. But James 3.1 properly says this. Many of you are becoming 
teachers, when you yourselves don't even know what's taught, present imperative, stop it. Because the true ones are going to receive a greater manifestation, meaning a greater accountability and responsibility to Christ. Not a novice. Not a novice. I have enough of the word now that I got from the one that gave it to me for now me to be their counselor. And then when I'm dissatisfied or I don't like something, I'll bypass them, which I shouldn't do, and go to someone else that I trust and who knows me <laughs> and become that person's counselor. Is that biblical? Does that go on? That's novice traits. To the one that does it, listen to me. And the one that listens to it and doesn't deal with it. Even between husbands and wives. Husbands, don't allow your wife to be your sounding board for all your frustrations and irritations. And by the way, there's none of that in grace. Don't, and wives, don't allow him to puke in your ear. Let me, let me borrow your ear and puke up all these things that I don't like. And vice versa. And husbands, don't you allow it either. Okay? How's that for some beautiful truth? I don't like this. Well, I'm so sorry. Oh, you've got it so rough. Go to Africa. Go to India. I mean, we got it really rough. It's, it's so hard, right? Here, it's, tell me how hard it is. What's so hard about it? We have jobs. We go to work. We got houses. We're fed. We got so much. And then we have all this word, and it's so hard. What? <laughs> wow. Oh. oh, well. Spent a little more time on this than I thought, but I promise you, I prayed and beseeched God for his word for all of us. Not my word, for him. His word for us. His, his loving, loving word for us, not against us. So we have to wrap it up. But you know, I talked with Mike again. And he said, please don't. That's what he said to me. He said, no, the men need you. I'm just telling you. That's what he said. I didn't say it. God is my only judge. My thing was, you know, maybe, maybe, they, maybe they need just him there, God. And I don't want to get in the way. That was my prayer. And he said, no, I need you and the men need you. And guess what? Why do you think I want you to come? You tell me why. Just to preach and teach you? Could it be that I need you too? Do you think so? Do you think so? Do you think so? I prayed for God. I prayed to God for years here. God, please give me men. I need them. And wives need them too. We do. We need each other. It, the, the atmosphere, is it, it, the times that we are in, we get... In the flesh, the enemy makes us so sleepy. And, and he does. He just makes us so sleepy with things, so quit on things, because we're missing what he's doing. Like people in this country, 
We're losing freedoms like you have no idea. It's a miracle to me, honestly, that we can still function in safety as a country. Because you, oh, I'm just saying it. It's just so crystal clear in the Word of God. It's just so clear this morning. I mean, what is so wrong with me wanting to have you around? You tell me. It's a local sim, that's why we're here. What? What is so hard about that? I don't get it. So I said, you know what? And you know what I found out too? And you know what I found out? Now I need Mike. 1,750 miles away. I need him and he shows up. I don't know, you think we can? Yeah. How far apart are we? And I say that to condemn you and accuse you. No. <laughs> what is so hard about that? What? It's so hard about receiving these truths. Come on. We're going to play. You know, I'm not going to play. You know, look, honestly, by the grace of God, I can sit here and I can quote this till the cows come home. You want to hear? <laughs> I can do that. But I want to be vulnerable and honest and truthful. Prayer on Saturdays. Prayer. Oh, that's not important. What? Really? We'll talk about it tomorrow. It's extremely important. That's why it says in 1 Timothy 2.8, it's men. I wish that men, men in the local assembly get together and pray, lift up holy hands. Am I going to want to lift them up to him if I think I have a defiled conscience and I'm living in sin? You're going to do that? No, you're not. Never mind. We don't want anything to do with him. The flesh does not want anything to do with Christ. Romans 8, 7, read it. Oh, you should, you know, why don't you just tell me about God? I am telling you about how much he loves you. And I'm just telling you, this is the thing that gets in the way. The natural man, that's the flesh, receives not the things of God, neither can he know them. They are foolishness unto him. It's foolish. It's stupid. It doesn't make... Why do I have to do this? It doesn't make any sense. doesn't. He says, no, the men need you. They're 1,750 miles away. He, the pastor there, says they need your portion here. He knows that. I know that. I know that with him. I need him. I need Mike in my life. I do. Over, over two decades. It just works that way. A fellowship is an exchange, by the way. It's not a one-way street. It's an exchange. It is. It's extremely important. And you know what else it is in whatever phase we're in? We need to be careful, too. Okay? And in, in the stage of babyhood, 1 John 2, 12 to 14, spiritual uh, uh, young men and women in Christ and spiritual dads, we need never to judge after each other after the flesh. Did you know that? There's no right that a young man has anymore to judge a spiritual dad when he sees him not functioning properly. Oh, yeah, I know. And God used all those perfect men in the Bible, didn't he? Didn't he? Didn't he? Yeah. And perfect women, right? 
And we're so careful to hide our own nastiness, but so quick to point it out in somebody else. Isn't that interesting? It's terrible. It's terrible. We never do that. You show me in the Bible where Paul, an apostle who went to the third heaven and came back down and show me he was perfect. And I'm not making excuses for it. But again, this is what makes it so necessary. If you have an issue with me and a personal thing, you come to me. And that doesn't mean when I preach the word, it's not going to touch personal things in your life. Because after all, guarantee, yes, it will. God. And if we don't like this, guess what we can do? There's plenty of places to go where you don't have to have that stuff. You don't, I don't want that preciseness. Yeah, really. Show me one time Titus ever counseled Paul. Show to me. I'm not talking fellowship. I'm talking counsel. Taking the word of God and counseling him. It never happened. It just didn't. Because it wasn't supposed to. It wouldn't be God's order. It just isn't. No, no man after the flesh. No man after the flesh. Just don't. It's not, it's not my place to judge. Because when I live, leave my proper place in Christ, I become a judge. And no one equals me. Because after all, I've been around for like five or six years. <laughs> and I've invested so much in that spiritual dad. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? You know, even your parents, your natural parents, do you love them? I mean, were they perfect? But do you love them? Were they perfect? Do you love them? How about your spiritual ones? You got spiritual parents, you know. You do. You do. You do. And you don't, you don't become their counselor. You, put, you can love them and pray for them. But if you have issues, you come to me. You do. And I will get right with you. If need be, or you might get right, if need be. But we'll have Christ between us, won't we? When we function in God's order, do we have Christ's order in his life? We do. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, amen.